Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast, episode 103. That is Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. And today it's Popper Drop Tuesday, Conference Championship Edition. We'll highlight some of the standouts from last weekend, including a sleeper, Florida State's defense. Let's be real, Rick. That's a program that could use some good news right about now. We'll spotlight a player from each game. And then, like we always do on Tuesdays, we'll look at the rookie quarterback performances from around the NFL. I'll give you my top five NFL rookies from week 13. And in case you're wondering, me and Debo intentionally did not ask Rick for his rookie rankings. You okay with that, Rick? Yeah, yeah, because I'll do my own. I don't you do your to, own. I need, I'll, I'll just do my own. I don't need to be a part of your coup meetings on the side when I'm not around. <laughs> coup meeting, C O U P, and cool meeting, C O O L. So uh, <laughs> keep working hard. We'll invite you to the meetings. You did say that you did not want to do them out of protest, so that's why I saved yeah, you. The time. I, it's, it's principles. Just like I will never, ever put a plus or minus. It's a principle in my mind right now. That's right, for grades. But I thought you were going to say you will never, ever do a mock draft. We're going to trick you into doing a mock draft, so we're going to get you on that one. Yeah, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) All right, in case you missed it, in the feed right now are our conference championship players to watch preview. And while conference title games are behind us, still worth your time because we're evaluating these guys that are going to be uh, in the draft process as we go through this thing. And if you're watching us on the old YouTubes at NFL and CBS, well, we got here, Rick, on the official with the first pick draft countdown board. How many days? 142 days until the 2024 NFL draft. 42 days until Ryan Wilson uh, will get the truth on some of the comments that he makes. And I was just thinking, uh, this is where my mind goes sometimes, and I apologize mm. out there. Okay. So as we count down, like 142 days and we count up. So it's like 103rd podcast, right? Is that what you said? We're going to meet. What happens if they meet? Do we get anything, Debo? Do we get a gold watch or anything like that? Or really wants us gold watch, Debo. (laughs) Gold watch is a thousand episodes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. You think on a hundred episode that we would at least get a t-shirt or something. Hey, I survived a hundred podcasts on CBS with the first pick. Or nothing. We, nothing, nothing, nothing. Debo's too busy doing and, his thing and and passing out homework. So while he's sitting there giggling, writing up, let me do have these guys do this this week. Like, yeah, and we got some homework to talk about. Although the homework will be lessening, Rick, because the college football season, regular season, is effectively over. Army Navy coming up, but after that, we'll have a little break. I would think we'll see what Debo decides to do in terms of uh, the homework side of that stuff. Um, by the way, I looking ahead. Top 20 rookies each week, just to <laughs> just to kind of balance it out. Just stretch it out, top 20. I have to do something for social later today about the top 10 rookies right now. This, Let me ask you this, Rick. Is this rookie class feel like it's better in terms of depth and production early on than in recent years, or is it that just me paying attention this year? Well, it's yeah, it's you're paying attention a little bit more since Debo gives you the homework assignment. Right. We didn't have to do this last year, to be honest with you. But it seems like rookies are having a bigger impact. Uh, And I think it's showing that it was a pretty strong draft class last year. And I think as we go through the process and 142 days from now and going into next year, this may, in my opinion, even be a stronger draft class than we saw last year. Wow. And it's not just the quarterbacks because there's only really one quarterback that's having a banner year. There's players at every position, wide receiver, of course, we know about. Unfortunately, Tank Dell's hurt. Uh, for the rest of the regular season, but there are other co- uh, wide receivers balling out. Edge rushers, we'll talk about one today, who's balling out. Offensive linemen, who are day three guys, Dewan Jones, who've had to been, who have been forced into starting roles and are playing extremely well. So it's it's been fun to watch, and just something that uh, I noticed since we we do, as you know, talk about these rookies all the time 
Um, by the way, Rick, looking ahead on Thursday. And you know what? Just oh, what? one thing. Now that we're doing all these rookies and watching it, it may help you when you start making comparisons when we get into the uh, player comparisons into this year's draft class. Yeah, it may. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I make no promises. It could yeah. still be terrible. Although you and I agreed on a, on a couple of uh, comps last week. So either you're getting worse and I'm getting better or some combination of the two. It's us working together as one. Yeah. And that's actually something to be concerned about. We need to self-scout because you don't want to have group think going into this thing. And then yeah, remember on my role on this podcast is just the scout in the corner, raising his hand. You're the GM. I'm just waiting to add my two cents. Chirping in the owner's ear. Don't forget that part. <laughs> yeah. With the owner <laughs> next to me. <laughs> All you right. This Yahoo's doing right yeah, now. I know. You're not even kidding. I, I got my eye on you back there. Spieling. <laughs> uh, later this week, by the way, Debo will be living his best life in Italy, no doubt. But uh, we're going to talk about my mock draft 4.0, Rick, which was released on CBSSports.com today, Tuesday morning, as we record this. Uh, I would say it's some of my best work yet. You may disagree, but we'll talk about that. Go into some details. Did you make there. any changes? Yeah, Are no, there there's any some surprises? changes. I'll give you a sneak peek. I won't name names about the players taken, but I had a, a trade. The Patriots moved up from two to one with the Bears. To get a quarterback, and then the Bears have some decisions to make. I'll even have the hypothetical draft capital trade breakdown, and you can evaluate that. Uh, I based it off of what the Bears did in 2017 when they moved it from three to two to get uh, Mr. Trubisky, and I sweetened the pot a little bit. But we can talk about all that stuff on Thursday. So uh, four quarterbacks go in the first round, all in the top 11, I think. That may be a little rich. Wow. Boy, so we're going to have a lot to talk about. I can't yeah. wait for the episode on Thursday. <laughs> so Thursday, circle back for that, make a note, and uh, we can have Rick uh, skewer me on each and every. No, not skewer, educate. Educate. Uh, as it hasn't happened for 42 more days. 42 more days. Self-esteem <laughs> coach, and then things get real in 42 days. Uh, remember, by the way, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to nominate FBS or FCS college player who is draft eligible and will evaluate his draft prospects on an upcoming show. And by the way, quickly, Debo, at some point in the probably near future, we'll talk about the transfer portal guys slash guys that are returning to school as part of the, the podcast journey. Yeah, any anything that's jumped out to you guys? Kyle McCord hitting the porter, portal? It's, it's unbelievable. I think I read an article that over 1,000 kids entered the portal which is I just I can't fathom that because here's my here's a, here's what I'm hearing out on the streets. <laughs> the streets. <laughs> <laughs> as I as I work my way through, as I called it, the Seth pool. So that was the media to me when I was in a GM. You're now in the middle of the cesspool. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the cesspool. Yeah. Okay, I used to call it Seth pool. Just so. Oh. You know. At least you didn't call it sex pool. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. These kids better make sure that they have a place to go because there ain't a thousand better deals out there than maybe <laughs> what true. they had. So you better have a couple of uh, things in your pocket before you make those type of decisions. And especially the biggest news is the quarterbacks and how many Cam Ward, what Cam you know, Ward evaluated him. Dylan Gabriel, we evaluated, he's leaving Oklahoma. Yeah. So they're either looking, they're looking for, from what I hear, uh, seven-figure deals in NILs. To, Which is what Matt Rule, the head coach in Nebraska, said 1.5 to 2 million per year is about what it costs. I know that our Bud Elliott on the Cover 3 podcast, and those guys have been crushing it recently with all the news, said it's probably something a little less than that, but you're talking, you're sniffing seven-figure seven territory. And the other thing that, um, according to Bud, that you're trying to figure out if you're a school or whoever, I don't, need, I don't know if the boosters pay the money, I don't know how that works on the NIL end, but you don't want to pay for a Cam Ward, for example, to come to a school that's going to win five football games because you're just blowing money and not winning the national title. So these are all national title conversations as well. Yeah, and I think the one thing that – and why it's such the wild, wild west, not to go on a tangent here, is you know if you want to try to compare it to free agency in the NFL, but you're dealing with the same agents. So yeah. You know, when you're talking and the guy's telling you, yeah, this guy's worth 10 million, 10 million, 10 million. When you're trying to make decisions from a GM seat, you have a jumping point where you're going to get off of that deal. And you got to be disciplined to that, even though all the outside noise coming in and that agent better not be lying to you because if he says he has X and you offered Y 
and then he goes, well, we're going to this team, and he gets Y instead of X. Well, you're still going to have to deal with that agent down the road. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you're, all, you're always going to have other players that you're going to have to deal with. So the agent and the teams have to be pretty transparent. Now, there's I, there's always going to be haggling and a little bit of cat and mouse game, but if they're saying X and you're in a whole different stratosphere and that X comes down to your stratosphere and he went and signed with another team and that agent was lying, well, that makes there's an issue going forward with that agent. From how I understand it, it's when you say that you have a million-dollar NIL deal and it gets reported, but there's no – you can't see what they actually got. You can say that's what they Oh, got. I see. But in the NFL, the contract actually goes to the management council. It has to get proved. So all those numbers and data are with the team. The team can get access to all that. And I have deals. Colleges can't get access to the actual numbers on the NIL. Interesting. Deal. So this is like when I would tell my parents I got a got all A's on my report card uh, before the report card got there. And they're like, wait a second. Uh, those A's look a lot like D's. Well, I would give you a C. But no pluses or minuses. No pluses or minuses. Interesting. So they're not showing their work. That's a whole other thing to sort out. All right. Well, that's something that we'll put on the to-do list because that is certainly interesting and changes annually changes the landscape of college football. Till go ahead, Debo. You're. you're oh, I was just going to say. I'm. I'm sorry. I. You know, Chop Robinson opted out of the Peach Bowl today, and I actually was texting back and forth with Rick this morning to get his take, and he said he dropped him all the way down to day three. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what's funny, Debo? I think Rick is softening on this stance because he he hemmed and hawed when we mentioned maybe Caleb doesn't play in the bowl game, whether he should or not. The the Holiday Bowl against Louisville, I believe. You're okay with him opting out of that, or should he play in that? Now, I'm I'm getting softer (laughs) in my old age. So, I think so if it's a is it's a New Year's Day six bowls you should play. Yeah. Talking about no offense to the <laughs> back in the day, the blue bonnet bowl. Yeah. I don't know how much you're going to be able to prove in a blue bonnet bowl. I'll just say this. If you are Ryan Poles or Bill Belichick, you probably don't want Caleb Williams playing in that bowl game. Probably not. Yeah. So you're, okay, you're okay with that. All right. Finally, uh, give us a thumbs up on the YouTube machine. Spread the word. Let's get to it, Rick. Let's talk conference championship pop or drop. Let's start with Texas, Oklahoma State. And a guy we talked about over the summer that we liked a lot, tied into Tavian Sanders. We've talked about Adonai Mitchell, who had a huge game. We've talked about um, Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers looks like he's probably returning to school. Um, but let's talk about Sanders, the tight end. Plays a lot of in line. They use him to block a lot. I wish they wouldn't do that because he's not blocking as well as I would like him to block. The funny thing is you watch him. Let's say he blocked on 40, 40 snaps this game. On about eight of them, he looked like he knew what he was doing. The others, I was like, okay, he's either technically not doing what he's supposed to do. He's not strong enough or he, it's just not working out for him. So I don't know if that's something that will fix itself down the line. We talked about Brock Bowers coming back last year and certainly being better blocker this year. But if you're drafting Sanders, you're not drafting him to block people. He had eight catches for 105 yards. One of them was a he got open wide ass open for it for an easy twenty five yard flea flicker. That wasn't necessarily the the toughest play he made. Probably the easiest catch he's had in his career. But he showed the ability to to stack defensive backs in the middle of the field when he's running those seam routes. He can run away from guys. Uh, he has a little wiggle for his size, and I thought he ran through arm tackles. And again, I, I like him. Like I don't know who tight end two is going to be at this point. He's not a first-round pick unless something changes. But I think he's a day-two guy who can come in and help in much the same way we've seen these day-two tight ends in, in recent years come in and be contributors. Yeah, I don't think he's in the – like, to me, if you want to make a – Laporta was better even though he didn't have the yeah. same production. Yep. And he went second round to Detroit. And, you know, he's lighting the world on fire in the NFL right should now. should be a top-five pick. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we got to redraft the redraft we did, Debo. We, we get a chance. Um, but I saw all the same things. I saw the athleticism as a receiver. I saw the wide open double reverse pass that no one was guarding him. They threw him a lot of bubble screens, which he does have some wiggle to him. Uh, and he is a pretty smooth athlete getting upfield after the catch. You see some speed. I just don't see anything. It's good, but to me, I'm just trying to think, is there anything unique? Like I thought Kincaid was unique in some of the things he did as a receiver. Yep. Um, I didn't, 
I think this guy's going to be a good pro. He's going to be a solid starter in the league, but I just can't buy into the uniqueness of taking him in the first round. But I could see him as a solid day two pick. Here's my comp, and you can I'll get you get your grippy ball. And it came to mind because I actually saw this guy play a lot over the weekend because of injury. Little Brevin Jordan out of Houston went to Miami, plays for the Texans now. Yeah, that's a great comparison. I really agree with that. Do you think Sanders is more athletic? What, what do you what are you making faces about? No, I 42 days, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. <laughs> I think that's a great comparison. Well, okay. I don't know if that's I know that's not helpful. I don't know how serious you are to scale of one to ten. What are you talking about? I am very sincere. I would never be uh, sarcastic on the show at all. Yeah, you can find you can find Rick on Twitter at Hallmark Lover four twenty <laughs> as his acting props continue to get better. All right, day two guy for Jatavian Sanders. I think we both uh, both took something away from that game and that he he's a really good football player and has a chance to be uh, a good NFL player. Um, yeah. Again, Adonai Sanders balling out. Where are you on Adonai Sanders as a first round pick? The number five, the uh, the wide, the big wide receiver that we've talked about before. I, I think he'll be in the mix of that second tier of guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would put him up there with the Adunzes of the world and no, 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 yeah. and the neighbors. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where your mind is. Um, half the time we're talking about <laughs> half the time. That sounds low. <laughs> I'll say this, and we'll talk about this on Thursday. My mock draft. I have to go check, but I think I had like six or seven potential wide receivers going in the first round, which sounds insane, but there are a lot of good ones. I could see that. And I was uh, one of the guys that we come going to talk about here was very ooh, impressive ooh, ooh. Yeah. all right before we get to him let's go to alabama where the old alabama crimson tide somehow found their way into the final four despite did you uh, agree with that or disagree with that there was i don't, so have, many any real, I don't mean, have any real take on that i do feel bad for danny our colleague danny cannell and, and brian mcfadden who played at florida state because they got absolutely screwed and danny's been going on this uh oh my god is he he's on everywhere He's everywhere. Diva, where are you on the uh, college football playoff system? Are, do you feel bad for Danny BMAC, or do you understand how this thing works? Florida State got robbed. Come on. How they did. Huh? That Come committee on. is a joke. That committee oh, is a boy. joke. Diva's mad. They, they were undefeated. They won their conference. What else are they supposed to do, Rick? But what well, else, Rick? The best four teams in the final four. That's, That's not true. If they did the best four, if they did the best four, it would be Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Yeah, that I, no, I, I, I would, I would listen to that argument because that, that that's a legit argument. But I think Ohio State could have, should have had was above Florida State because I think they got an excellent football team. I think Alabama, the way they're playing, and then Pete, you know, I'm going to argue with Pete Prisco till it's blue in the face because you might as well just argue to the screen I'm talking to because you're that's you're going to get more common sense out of the screen and out of Pete Frisco. He says they're like a Hail Mary pass away from not being in the playoffs. But Alabama, the way that Milrow has improved, the way they're playing right now, uh, you got to say they're one of the best four teams uh, they got in. I think they did a fine job, although I would have put Ohio State or Georgia. Texas. Over over Texas. Yeah, see – I don't know, man. I, I get it. It's all about money and, and power and politics. That's how that. If you come at it from well, that angle, do, do you think there'll be as much uh, scrutiny or as much controversy next year when they expand it? But I'm then, sure they'll find something to be angry about. People generally find something to be angry about. But I guess you. I mean, you get the top eight right, and then you got to figure figure out the, the the people at the bottom, the six out of the next four, who's going to be angry about that. All right, we'll worry about that next year. Alabama. Huge win. Jalen Milrow, as you talked about, had a really good game, and we'll be talking about him a lot over the next 12 months, I would imagine. I'll just say this, Rick, and I mentioned to you before the podcast. I'm going to go on record now. Don't clip it, Debo, because I'm really, really wrong. But I think Jalen Milrow is going to be the best quarterback on the field when they face Michigan in a few weeks. I'll just say that now. But let's talk about Dallas Turner's teammate, the edge rusher, who um, when you refused to join us when we talked to Will Anderson a few years, a few weeks ago, he he said that at this point in, in his journey, uh, Will thinks that Dallas is is a smarter football player than Will was at Alabama. And he he said he and Dallas talk all the time, and you know he's really impressed with what he's doing. And I get that because I didn't realize how strong Dallas Turner was until 
I turned on uh, this game to watch. Amarius Mims left in the first quarter with an ankle injury. That's been a recurring theme, unfortunately, for him. What's that? Shocking, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he just hasn't stayed healthy this year. The right tackle for Georgia, so we got to figure that out. Um, But Dallas Turner was eating up the left tackle for Georgia, and he was killing him with a long arm, and the, the, the power just jumped off the screen, and he did it continuously, and he was such a a problem on that side of the football. Um, and he's also a good athlete. Like he shows the ability to drop into space. You want him to cover in the flat and, um, on one little quick flat to, to Brock Bowers, which he didn't get the ball. He was running with him there. So that's impressive as well. Um, but Dallas Turner, we talked about this. Does he remain now after this weekend, your edge rusher one? Cause he looks like it. Yeah. In my opinion, he's edge rusher one, the way he played in the Auburn game, the way he played now, uh, I'm anxious to see him against Michigan because I think that he's going to create some havoc in that game. Um, but you don't realize how big this kid, he looks lean and wiry when you watch him on TV on tape. But just like we talked about, Will Anderson is he is very thick through his legs and, and almost like running back thickness. And that's what, uh, you know, there was a Will Anderson. Well, he only weighs 240. This kid weighs 255. He doesn't mm-hmm. look like it. But he's going to come in at 255, and I don't. I would have a tough time. And you know how big a fan I was of Will Anderson coming out last year. If those two were there, I oh. would maybe lean to Dallas Turner over Will Anderson. That's how good I think this kid's wow. going to be. All right, that's that's a clip for Debo to put out there on the social media machines. That's that's impressive. And and look, Will Anderson might not disagree with you. On another interview for the rest of our lives. So go ahead and clip that, people, if you want to keep killing people that potentially come on the podcast. <laughs> Will Anderson might not disagree with you. He, he had very high praise for both Dallas and Chris Braswell, number 41. And we'll talk about Chris throughout the draft process as well. But, uh, man, he, he played out of his mind. And this, again, this is a, a legit Georgia team. Not the Georgia offensive line we've perhaps seen in recent years, but I. They ain't a bunch of one stars out there playing offensive tackle. So uh, he did a great job. The athleticism and space flashed, and uh, he's a big part of what they do. Um, all right. Oh, I have him as a like a top ten pick, easy. Yep. Yeah. That's if Will went three overall, this kid will be in the top ten. And uh, I will say another sneak peek at my mock draft on Thursday. I had him going top ten. So rest assured about that. Uh, something that may anger people. Brock Bowers lasted until the middle of the first round. But uh, I can explain that away on Thursday. So that's called a tease, Rick. All right. Next up. I don't even want to look at your mock draft. Yeah, I don't just, look at it. You may I'm have to look at it today. I'm not going to do any prep. I'm just going to react off of what I see. And I've typically found that goes really well when you and I have these type <laughs> of conversations. So we should be good to go. All right, let's go to Florida State. Shout out to Danny and, and BMAC. I had heard about this guy, but I hadn't watched him. I had no idea about anything about him. Uh, Western Michigan transfer, and he is awesome. Braden Fisk, number 55, uh, plays all up and down the offensive line. A lot of three-tech. He even lines up at five techniques sometimes. Incredible athlete. Like, you see that guy walking around. He had no nameplate on the back of his jersey, just his number. Like, he was like Rudy Rudiger coming out there. He didn't know who he was, and then he's just taking over. The last two plays of the game, last two um, series of the games, he had fourth down sacks to seal that win over Louisville, and he did it in, in athletic fashion. He is stout against double teams. I don't mean he stands up against double teams. He's splitting double teams and making plays in the backfield. Uh, he reminds me, and this is unfair because he, he's white and he's undersized, of Howard Cross out of out of Notre Dame. And I know that's lazy, but that's where my mind went initially. He's a better player than Howard Cross, but Howard Cross is fun as well. But Braden Fisk impressed me a ton in this game uh, to the point where I would imagine he's going to be getting some, some serious buzz as we get through this process. Yeah. He, I didn't know who this kid was. And then Debo pulled one out of his uh, arse, Uh, (laughs) but this kid. So, but when you went back and watch a tape on this kid, I mean, he, he had no buzz and I haven't heard. So I don't know if he played like this the whole season, so I want to go back and see him against some legit offensive linemen that are going to be playing in the NFL. Although I don't know that if the ACC has any legit offensive. Ouch. Just kidding. Ouch. <laughs> Not like the SEC in the in the Big Ten, but that's why Florida State didn't get to the Final Four. 
Oh, just taking shots at kicking them while they're down. <laughs> no, they 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 deserve to get in too. Everybody deserved to get in. Everyone gets a trophy, Rick. Everybody gets a participation trophy. Um, but the the all his sacks came on an ET game, which means the defensive end came in first and then he looped around. But his quick twitch getting around, his ability to chase down the quarterback. Now, Plummer isn't a great scrambler, but to get him and shag him down an open field and the quickness that he showed getting off the ball, I don't know if he's going to be able to sit there and two-gap at the point at the next level. But I know if he fits in the right scheme and he has that quick first step that he's shown, I don't know his measurables. I don't know anything about this kid. But when you watch this tape, the energy, the effort, the pursuit, uh, the flash as a pass rusher, I think he's going to – that game there will put him on some people's radar to maybe make sure we go back and do our homework on him. And me and you both need to go back and do our homework on this kid. Too late. I have him going first overall. Uh, I didn't look it up until afterwards because that's the, the Rick Spielman way. 6'3", 282 unofficially. So he's a little undersized <clears throat> if you're playing interior. Not, right. But you're not playing him at five unless he's rotational though, right? If he's a five technique, that may be big enough. You don't have to be 300 pounds as if you're in there. And we saw some three techniques. You know, Cansey last year was an undersized guy. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't want to make any comments on this kid until I go back and, and really study him. But when you have a game like this, it sure does make you want to put that name on a piece of paper to make sure you go back and watch him and see. Absolutely. So we'll do that. But he was that was fun. That and, and good for him. Bad for FSU for various reasons. But he had a solid game, no doubt about it. All right, let's go to Washington. Out in the Northwest, they beat Oregon again. Another great game. I haven't gone back and watched the quarterbacks yet, but we watched them so much that I feel like we know who they are. Someone we haven't watched a lot of because he's been injured is uh, one of the thousands of wide receivers that Michael Penix Jr. has, Jalen McMillan. Had a season-long uh, knee injury. He, he um, hurt it early versus Michigan State. You and I were talking yesterday, Rick, and he only played a handful of snaps between then and, and relatively recently. Uh, but he he showed up in that conference title game. Nine catches, 131 yards. Um, almost had a, a touchdown on a back shoulder throw that we've seen Michael Penix throw to Adunze a million times this year. Uh, didn't pull it down to contest the catch, but he came back later and made some contested catches. He shows some juice in the open field. He shows the ability to, to stack these uh, these defensive backs and, and find ways to get open. They use him a lot on, on over routes, and, and he was running open on those routes. So you have him. You have Roma Dunze. You have Jalen Polk, all guys who could be top 50, top 75 picks. I'm sure we'll hear about how that makes Michael Penix a better player. But I, I, what would you learn about Jalen McMillan and the, the rare chance we got to see him this year? Yeah, well – he looked completely healthy. You've seen the athleticism. You've seen before the injury. You've seen the speed. Uh, for a tall, linear receiver, I don't think he's as physical or as strong as Adunze, but he is very smooth athletically. The way he runs routes, the way he opens up stride and gets open down the field, uh, his catching radius. And I was surprised for a guy that is linear and is, you know, I'm assuming he's 6'3", at least that's what he looks like on tape. Um, that he's very smooth with the ball in his hands after the catch. Very elusive, fluid, weaver, whatever. He makes guys miss after the catch, not with his strength where Dunze runs through dudes. This guy can avoid dudes, and I think he does a, he, he has some acceleration that all of a sudden that put him back on the map to get in the mix of these uh, how do I say, glutton of receivers that are going to have to separate themselves out through this draft process. Oh my gosh. I feel like there's so many. I, I had a uh, middle to early day two right now. Yeah. Um, I would agree with you 100%, Ryan. Who knows what you're talking about over there? <laughs> uh, yeah. Great game for Jalen. Glad he's healthy. Hope he stays healthy because they're going to need it when they, uh, I hope they win the whole thing just to stick it into you and Debo's face, disrespecting Washington, leaving them out of the top four altogether. Unbelievable. <laughs> that was a sent. Would you think that had anything to do with a sent to sentimental pick? But they did beat Oregon. They were undefeated. Oh, so was Florida State. Well, they don't have anyone injured. That's the excuse they were making for Florida State. They still right. got Michael Penix Jr. and all their dudes, and they beat Oregon twice. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I could see, but because the Pac-12 is dissolving, disintegrating, 
going extinct, whatever you want to say it. Yeah. Um, so it's almost fitting in a Hallmark storybook type <laughs> story that the last year of the Pac-12 actually had a team that was good enough to make it to the Final Four. I hope they win it. That would be the storybook ending. Again, at Hallmark Lover 420 if you're looking for Rick Spielman on Twitter. <laughs> Let me ask you this quickly. My buddy, who was an ardent Alabama fan and was trying to make his case for why Alabama deserved to be in, asked me this question, and I didn't know off the top of my head, but I guessed. Of all the players that get drafted in 142 days, which conference has the most? Pac-12, SEC, no. yes. or Big Ten? SEC. Pac-12 is deep. Oh, this year you're talking about? Just this year, yeah. Just historically. No, this year, this year. I said Pac-12 maybe by a hair. I think it could be because they got some dudes out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I'd have to, after I look through all your mock and all your works, um, <laughs> then I'll tell you where you're right and wrong. That's what I did when I was a GM. Okay, go ahead, do what you guys do, get all your reports in, and I'll fix it at the end. That's yeah, don't what, bring me the first draft. Bring me the final draft, and then you'll and then I'll then I'll redirect fix it. Okay. All right. We'll circle back there. Because typically you say SEC and get on with it. But I think this year for the Pac-12, they may have a case. All right. Let's go to Michigan. Because the Iowa game, um, my new favorite player is Deacon Hill, the the heavy set quarterback for Iowa. He's fun. Um, and I mean that in the, in the most lovable sense. But let's talk about the guy on the other side of the ball. Mike Sanders still, the nickelback, who actually played a lot of outside in this game for um, Michigan. We talked about him last Thursday in the preview, former wide receiver, and he looks like it. He has ball skills. He's undersized. I don't know his exact height or weight, but uh, he flies around like he means business when he comes downhill, both in run support, but also in tackling and breaking on routes that are in front of him. He forced two fumbles in this game. He almost had an interception, and this shows up week after week after week, and he's a little older, I believe. He might be 22, 23-ish. I have to double-check on that. I don't care. He's a guy that feels like, I think, I don't know if I mentioned last Thursday, but my comp for him was a Mike Hilton type player mm -hmm. um, who's been really successful for Pittsburgh and now Cincinnati as a, as a slot corner. But again, you can you can play Sanders still everywhere. What do you think of Mikey Sanders still? Yeah, no, a couple of those, the the, the force fumbles, the one he, he, he came up and whacked the dude after the catch to force a fumble. And then, uh, you know, he came on that cap blitzer with the corner blitzes. Ooh. He had free access, but he was a humming. Uh, <laughs> he was a humming, Devo. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> coming off the edge there and had a couple of nice hits on the quarterback. I saw the break on the uh, hitch route, which was a great break. So I think this kid's still probably an early Saturday guy. Um, oh, you think so? How come? I just because is he a Nick? I you know I know it's still new the position he's but he is developing. I just think maybe Friday, but I, I'm leaning towards Saturday right now, just because I think technically he still has some issues to deal with, and I don't think he's totally there to say that okay I draft this guy he's going to be my nickel starter right away. Yeah, which I usually put in the third round. I think he still has some development. He's more talented to make a team. And I think he's going to help a team. I just think it's going to take him a little bit more time. Let me ask you this question in terms of the evaluation process. When you're a general manager, you know what your needs are, obviously, going into the draft and the free agency and all that. Do you look around the, the division and say, well, we got to go against Devontae Adams and they've added Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, for example. Let's assume all those guys are still in Green Bay. Does oh, that yeah. inform your inform your decision to draft a nickel cornerback in maybe a round earlier than you might or no? No, you don't move them up, but you're also aware of who you got to play twice a year too. Right. So, okay. But you're not going to take a guy that's a seventh rounder and make him a second rounder because you're playing against, you know, the way Green Bay's young guys are coming along right now. Yeah. Uh, they still have to have the ability of where they are drafted. I was just thinking in Mikey's case – um, and by the way, he spells it M-I-K-E, but he, he pronounces it Mikey, which I sort of like. In Mikey's case, with all these deep wide receivers in the league, young ones and you, the ones coming out that we keep talking about, if maybe a team's like, you know what, we'll take him a half round to a round early. We like him. He's it undersized. Depends, I, yeah, that's, yeah. You're not okay. talking about jumping him two rounds up. So I think it depends on how your board is finally developed and what other opportunities or players are available at the time. All right, Mike. Uh, Mikey just turned 23. And he's unofficially listed at 5'9", 184. So 
take that for what it's worth. All right. That's what I'm taking it for what it's worth. What'd you say? How much? Fourth. Okay. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about another 5'9 guy, according to Pete Prisco, our 5'10, 201-pound quarterback in Carolina. Bryce Young, we'll talk about the other rookie quarterbacks and how they performed right after this. All right, Rick. Let's go to Carolina. First game uh, in the post-Frank Reich era. Chris Tabor, the special teams coordinator, was the interim head coach. Thomas Brown is back again calling plays. And they must listen to this podcast because it felt like they used some RPOs. They used a little more motion, at least early. Bryce looked a little more comfortable somehow. Weird. action and got him out of the the pocket a little bit. The second throw of the game, third and 10, throws a huge anticipation corner out to Jonathan Mingo. And look, I don't want to spend the rest. I've dumped on Jonathan Mingo a lot this fall. He's a rookie. He's getting better. He's getting better. But that ball hit him in the hands and he dropped it. Yeah. But that's not on Bryce. And Mingo came back and made some plays as well. But the this entire game was littered with throws uh, that we we saw Bryce make it. Alabama. Uh, he still leaves the pocket too early sometimes. I get that. Uh, that last interception to end the game, uh, he had Thielen earlier in that route on fourth down, and he didn't pull the trigger. And when he tried to do it later, that was a little, uh, what was it, a little reverse route. And then he tried to turn it upfield, and, and he threw the interception because he threw it too deep. Yeah, but the- – I understand why he threw it. He should have threw it earlier. I agree yeah. with you. The reason he threw it was because it was fourth and one, and he was yeah. going to get sacked. So, yeah, if you just throw it on the, the initial right, break, you're fine. But I but can he, understand. Uh, I'd rather at least put it up there and see what happens at the end of the game like that because it was right outside the two-minute, and it was fourth and one because if I take a sack, then we don't have any chance. So you threw the ball up. You had a chance, even though you know Winfield did a great job on the break and uh, make yeah. the interception. Another young man that you've known since high school. You know all these kids. But so that's it. Look, man. Six, six years old. Oh, six. All right. There's so many good throws from Bryce. This is the most – this game had more good Bryce throws than any that I can remember this season. And he you know, missed some, too. you got to be fair. He did miss some. He did. Throws. No, he did. Now, he had, the intentional grounding one was terrible. The one he threw behind the line of scrimmage, was a, a 10-yard loss and a fumble, was was even worse. You'd like to see him calm down with those. But at the end of the game, before the interception, he um, they rushed six guys. He stood in the pocket, hit GJ, DJ Shark on that uh, vertical route down the sideline. It's a little underthrown, but DJ had won so well that it didn't matter. Uh, the cornerback didn't have time to turn around, and that's what we haven't been seeing. So all told, this is Bryce's best game. Still only 15-31, 178 in the interception. So there's a ton of room for improvement. But I think at least, Rick, you would agree that felt like some sort of progress? I do. Okay. That's it? No no other notes on Bryce? No, he's getting better. I mean, okay. we talk about him every week. We talk about the issues. We talk about why. <laughs> I mean, it's a broken record. But the one thing is exciting is I did some things that he did at Alabama that he's good at. And then it showed up in the game. All right, I agree. All right, good job, Bryce. Keep getting better. Throw some touchdowns. How about that? Next up, C.J. Stroud. Again, he's in the MVP conversation. He may not win it, but he's solidly in that conversation. 16 and 27 for 274 against the Broncos. The Broncos were, they had quite the run there. They were plus 13 on the turnover differential when they were winning these games, I think four or five in a row. This time around, they ended up losing the ball a lot, in part because of uh, a guy we'll talk about in a moment, Will Anderson. But Russ had three interceptions and a great play by Derek Stingley a couple times on those interceptions. But CJ had a touchdown. His deep ball is insane. Yeah, uh, no, he's 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 playing extremely well. Now I will say this: there were a couple throws early in the game, like a boot pass out to his left that he missed. Yeah, but then I saw him call the same play, maybe a quarter and a half later, and it was a great throw. So I thought he missed some open air targets. He missed uh, Mechie for a touchdown at the end of the first half, wide ass open. Yeah, but he just keeps going. I mean, it, nothing phases him. Nothing phases them. I almost had another fantastic touchdown in the back of the end zone to Nico Collins. Just went off Nico's hands about a, two inches outside probably. But time and time again, he, he doesn't get flustered. Uh, he drew the uh, personal foul penalty against uh, Alex Singleton, which was smart. Yep. Didn't retaliate. Kept that drive going. And here's the thing I'll say about the Broncos. And shout out to uh, Vance Joseph for keeping it. Number one, keeping his job and turning that, that defense around. They were heating up 
CJ yep. early, which is something that CJ hadn't seen a lot in early downs. And he stood in there, made throws that we've seen him make all season. And he continues to be the, not only the best quarterback in this class, but one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, no, he's, uh, the future is bright for this young man. Also, this is, um, probably unfair to Frank Reich because I would imagine owner David Tepper is just watching CJ going, why don't we have this? CJ is a unicorn. It is. I don't even know. When's the last time a rookie quarterback did this? Not even Andrew Luck had this sort of success this early. I don't think I have to go back and double check, but it just feels like week in and week out. They're putting the team on his shoulders and he's doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, no. And, uh, that's like I said, what would have happened if he would have showed this mobility and athleticism during his last year at Ohio State? Yeah, that's what Frank Reich's screaming into the mirror right now. All right, next up, Will Levis against the Colts, a game they lost in overtime because Gardner Minshew, uh, I like to call Jameis Winston YOLO Jameis. You know what the kids mean when they say YOLO, Rick? No, have no you, idea. You only live once, Y-O-L-O. Uh, I don't know all those things. Like when people send me like capitalized letters, I have no idea what them say when someone texts me something. Yeah. So yellow, you only live once means you might as well do it, see what happens. So I think yellow Gardner is going to be his new name because he will do anything and he does not care. And it, it worked out a lot in this game. So credit to him for that. Um, before we talk about Will Levis, have you ever at any level, happy birthday, by the way, um, during your several decades on this planet, seeing this type of special teams mistakes that the Titans made in that game. No, it was like, it was actually, it was, I won't say entertaining. It made the game for, I don't, it was like, I can't believe this is happening. And then you see it again. And then you, it's, and then you miss the field goal or the extra point, whatever it was at the end there because the kicker's leg is wrapped around his neck as they take him back into the... Uh, <laughs> that poor guy. Yeah. The thing is, Ryan, Steinhouse, Ryan Stonehouse is one of the best players on that team. His leg got absolutely obliterated because I don't even know what happened there, but I've never seen a block punt that blocked um, after the snap. Crazy. Hence, All right. the, hence the change in special teams coaches this week. I was shocked it took that long. I think it took about eight or nine hours. I thought it might happen in eight or nine minutes. Will Levis, uh, the first the first play of the game, rolled right and uh, hit a Quanco on that anticipation corner throw for 39 yards. That was nice and easy. But a lot like Carolina, it feels like Tennessee struggles with guys getting open at the top of Will Levis's drop, and that's no big surprise. DeAndre Hopkins is the go-to guy there. He's not going to win with separation a lot. He's going to win with contested catches and, and savvy. One of the words that I keep coming back to when I watch Will Levis is frenetic. Like, it feels like everything – I wish he could just take a deep breath and slow down a little bit, but that's not his style. We saw that at Kentucky. I feel like he's getting better, but I still don't know who he is. I say this every week. I, I can tell you what he is. Okay, what? And I have never seen a more competitive quarterback and how he is winning over that locker room. Oh, okay. Into – a couple of the – like, I've never seen a quarterback fumble the ball. It goes downfield 10 yards. He's the only one chasing it. That was he awesome. Knocks out. <laughs> yeah. he, he hits the safety from – and the safety fumbles it, and he recovers it. I've, I, I I was going back through my Rolodex. I don't think in 30-some years I've ever seen a play like that. But when your quarterback does stuff like that on the field or the world – you know – Diving on third and five to get the first down, and he helicopter like John Elway. It got helicoptered when he hit. That stuff is. Oh wait a second, Rick. Do you see what he did after the? So he's on the ground after the helicopter. He looks up at the line. He sees that he made it. He gives the first down sign. Then he stands up and he flexes like a meathead, like he's Rick Spielman in the in the eighties. <laughs> so that gets the team going. I think it does. I think those guys see how competitive he is, but. I give the kid credit because I've never seen a play like that ever. Um, that was awesome. Yeah. So that to me, he he, I'm, I'm a, have a different view of him from a competitive standpoint. I still think he's mechanical. A lot of things that you say, he makes NFL throws, uh, but I still think he needs time to get through his progressions. I still think he needs to learn how to put some touch on some throws because everything's going to be 90 miles an hour, especially the deep balls. A couple of times, and Bryce did this too is when they throw the ball down the field, it's out of bounds. Keep it in bounds and at least yeah. give the receiver an opportunity to try to make a play. 
Uh, so a couple, you know, that stuff, hopefully it'll it get better as he goes. But from him, selling himself is one tough SOB by the effort he did on a couple of those plays. That's going to resonate in that locker room with a lot of those players. It's funny because uh, those plays are great. And he he was throwing lasers mostly on I seven. I watched it four times to figure out what the hell happened. I could I like I'm not seeing this the right way. And I saw it live, and I was like, "Was that an interception?" Or I, I don't oh know. yeah, I think the ball got tipped. Like as he was throwing it and it went straight up, and the safety caught it. Is that right? Yeah, he laid out and caught it, and then Will Levis is already down ten yards down the field, hit the safety, Blackman, I believe it was, and he fumbled, and then Will Levis recovered it. He. F- Recovered his own fumble 10 yards down the field after he tried to throw it. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, and there was a, a shot on the broadcast where early in the game, probably in the first half, Levis, uh, D-Hop was, was John and Levis about something, probably a mister or whatever. And Levis actually came right back at him. So I, th- I think that probably engendered some respect as well, maybe even from DeAndre Hopkins, but from other people that said, you know, this guy's our leader and he's not going to take any gruff gr- from so anyone. He does. He has some, uh, what do they say in their neck? He has some of that. Oh right. yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a one tough ombre, as Mister Spielman likes to say. All right, speaking of tough ombres, let's talk about our top five rookies from Week Thirteen. I don't know if you looked at the rundown, Rick, but I'll give you how I graded them. We'll go from one rundown. Do you actually guys give a rundown? Oh, I, I Debo didn't send it to you. He doesn't want to send it to you anymore. <laughs> so we'll go one through five. Our top five players. You and Debo's top five. <laughs> no, no Jalen Carter this week. Yeah, Diva don't want to talk about the Eagles this week, Rick. Uh, one and one A for me. And number one is Will Anderson, and one A is CJ Stroud. Again, this draft class is stacked, and that's not even including Tank Dell, who again got hurt in that game. He's done for the regular season. Um, and Juice Scruggs, who's back, the interior offensive lineman out of Debo's Penn State. But Will Anderson, two sacks, four quarterback hits, one pass breakup. That one PBU ended up being the uh, tip pass that became an interception for Derek Stingley. Uh, Mike McGlinchey had himself a long day at right tackle for Denver. And we talked about Dallas Turner and his bull rush. Will Anderson's bull rush is no slouch. And he is he is twitched up. Uh, he's running stunts. He's winning through the A-gap on these stunts. He... I would imagine Russ Wilson was tired of seeing Will Anderson by the end of the thing because he picked himself off the off the turf plenty. This guy, and I'll just go back to what our buddy Pete Prisco said, that he thought he was just going to be a good edge rusher. He feels like he has exceeded that already. Yeah, and the one play, like I always try to fly. I, I You know, you can look at, I see all the plays you see, but I try to find something different. The one play that really stuck out to me the most because I love watching guys that play with passion and play with energy and play with effort. There's no question Will Anderson does that. He rushed over McGlinchey, the right offensive tackle, got a pressure. Wilson, Russell Wilson, scrambled upfield on the left side of the field, and he chased him down from behind. So he must have ran 60 yards that play. But that tells you the effort that this kid plays with not only the athleticism and speed to run down Russell Wilson, who's not this, you know, what he was maybe six years ago, but to come all the way around a formation, come all the way to the other side of the field and run him down from behind. That that just that told me what kind of passion and player that Will Anderson is. Uh, a couple of notes here. He could have had four sacks. I thought he had two. And uh, towards the end of the game, he had a bull rush against McGlinchey where he got so far underneath his pads, he literally launched McGlinchey, who probably weighs 320, into Russ's lap. Yeah. No. And, you know, we talked about Will Anderson weighing 245-ish or whatever coming out. I don't know what he weighs now. He's more he than was, that? Yeah, he was 255. He's the same as Dallas. Oh, okay. All right. Whatever he is, he plays much stronger than that. So he was my one. Do you have any issue with me ranking him as a one as opposed to C.J. Stroud 1A? I would put Will. Yeah, I do have an issue with another player that should be up there, but we'll talk about him shortly. What about uh, this ranking though? Will over CJ just by a hair? Yes. Not okay by with a, that? Not by a hair. I think Will was number one clear cut. Oh, okay, great. And CJ and, said after the game how big that defense played. And I am going to say this: if he continues on this path, the way he's playing and has this type of production down the stretch, I'm going to make him his favorite for defensive rookie of the year. I like it. 
Um, Devin Witherspoon's had a good season, but the Seahawks are are hit some struggles recently. So I I don't hate that. By the way, DJ Turner is another guy we haven't talked yet about, who almost made this list. The Michigan cornerback uh, who ran in the four twos. He's having a great season for Cincinnati. Yep. Yeah. Big game. Played, yeah, he played big last night. Big game on Monday night. I mean, he was flying around like he was Will Anderson out there coming downhill. All right. Number three. I'm guessing this is where you draw the line because it can't be number four on this list, knowing you. Sam Laporta, nine catches, 140 yards, touchdown against New Orleans. Uh, they were up 400 to nothing in the first half, and then they sort of fell asleep and uh, held on the win at the end there. Uh, they lined him up everywhere, which they've been doing the whole time. Nine targets, nine catches. That's how efficient <laughs> Sam Laporta is. Uh, what else is there to say about Sam Laporta? Should have been a first-round pick. And it just goes to show that it's sometimes hard to evaluate guys who play at Iowa because that Iowa offense isn't one that makes it easy to evaluate pass catchers. Sam Laporta is awesome. Okay. Let me give you some why I think he was one or one okay. B. Because on third and six, that was a 12-yard touchdown. On third and three, he caught a – or third and two, he caught a flat route to convert a first down. On third and five, he had an in route, beat man coverage, first down. Late in the in the game, third and seven to keep the clock moving, beat man coverage, caught an in route, first down. This kid, you look at the stats, but you look at when are those stats happening. And four times in critical situations in the game, he came up with big plays. So to me, not only is he having a productive year, but golf, golf. <laughs> I thought you were changing subjects. <laughs> yeah, has an unbelievable trust in this kid and the coaching staff do because they're calling this kid's number and you think it would be St. Brown or somebody like that. But when they need to convert a third down, and especially in the critical in, in that late catch in the game that converted a third and seven, not that they weren't going to win the game, but that sure helped them solidify the win. So when he makes those type of catches in the critical situations during a game, to me, that's why I even moved him up higher because of that. Not because of just the stats. And he's, he gives unbelievable effort as a blocker. Yeah. No, I, I'm not getting much pushback from me. He had a great game. He's had a great season. And, but do um, you agree with me that you got to look at the, the, the production, but you look at, are they in critical situations? Oh, of course. Game? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's a difference maker to me. Yeah. And I, I mean, are you, so who are you putting them ahead of Will or CJ? I'm him and, and Will are right up there. CJ. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see what you feel about this one. Number four, Puka Spielman, Nakua, four catches, 105 yards, two rushes for 34 yards Had a run play, two end arounds. Um, another end around went for 45, but they called it back because of holding. I don't know why this guy runs a four two when he ran a four five five officially or Did whatever you see he ran right down the right down the middle of the field on that seam route. He just so, ran through the secondary, and this is a, a a good learning experience. Is that if a guy doesn't run fast but he plays fast, there's yeah. two different times. And I was wrong, but this kid plays a lot faster than he ran. And uh, that that play call you're talking about was uh, late in the first quarter. Made a ten seven ram seventy yards. Dead sprint. No one could catch him. And it looked like, so Jim Schwartz, defense coordinator, who's done a great job there. On third downs, they get funky. And not, a lot of times they like to run that uh, inverted cover two. So the outside corners sort of uh, move inside. Yeah. They're there too late. And and yeah. once they got there late, Puka Spielman's off. Like you're not catching them. No, no. And you got to give credit where credit's due. And the seven route he made, the gold corner route where he adjusted behind them to went up and get the ball. He is a very good, much better football player than maybe an athletic test guy in the pre-draft process. So this is a prime example of making sure that you don't put too much weight into the pre, you know, you have to look at it, but this guy is an exception to the rule as far as being a better football player than he is an athlete. Did you guys have any statistical measure for, figuring that stuff out or you just had to eyeball it that's you go off your experience and and what you're seeing because i know you got the guys all the and, and he's an exception to the role because yeah. oh 100 yeah so when you're asking yourself in that draft room so when i'm sitting in the corner and i say mr wilson <laughs> do you think this guy is an exception to the role because you can't have 
53 exceptions to the rule on your roster, you're not going to you're not going to win a game. Yeah. But if there are specific guys that the area scout is really dead set and really believes in this kid, that's when you kind of gotta gotta listen, you know. And especially the more you evaluate, the more you do. And a guy like Apuka, you know, if we missed on him, we would be back studying his tape from BYU. Why didn't we see what we're seeing now in the NFL? Or have our analytics look at it. What are we missing in the analytics side of it? That he's it was it something in the testing, psychological testing? Was it something in a physical testing? What was it? Was it the medical? Were we too hard on him on the medical because he had durability concerns coming out? What did we miss? Yeah. Because when you go back to the senior bowl, while we're sitting there watching the, the wide receivers, he was there, but he was another guy. He felt like sort of a Andrew Shibas who was drafted by the Bengals out of uh, Princeton. Just a, a, a good athlete that had some upside. We'll right. see. A, a big receiver. Rasheed Rice was there. Dontavious Wicks was there. Um, but, yeah, but that's why you go back and say, okay, what did we miss? Yeah. Was it something in the testing? Was it something in the intelligence? Was it the mental quickness? Whatever it was you really go back and hash or because this guy is an exception to probably the rule on being a better football just a really good football player and don't get so tied up in the olympics that sometimes we get tied up in i'm going to chalk it up to nakua dogging it for the last four years and then finally turning it on once he got drafted by the rams that can be the only explanation because he is he's a first-round talent man it's crazy all right number five on the list devon hn he's back against uh, the Commanders, a team that really had no answers to the point that Mike White, the backup quarterback, was playing for most of the fourth quarter. Uh, 17 rushes for Devon, 73 rushing yards, had two touchdowns, um, shortest touchdowns near the goal line, three receptions for 30 yards. We talk about it all the time when we talk about uh, HN. He runs between the tackles. He runs hard between the tackles. He gets yard between the tackles, and then he has that juice to get outside, and we, we saw that. And in that Miami offense, it even – uh, amplifies the things that he does well because they're so good. Even in in a probably not ideal weather conditions. Right. Um, but he looked like he was healthy again. And in a, I won't call him a mud game, but it was, like I said, it was wet, rainy, cold, whatever it was. He didn't bounce everything to the outside. And it's the same thing we saw in college is that he runs for a small back he runs with a lot more power than you think he runs, and he's always going forward on contact. And uh, he, he's not afraid to get hit. He, in fact, sometimes some of those runs, I thought he was the hammer rather than the nail. Absolutely. Uh, and he caught the ball well. You know, he just he's another really good football player. Really good football player. Trademark Rick Spielman. All right. Next version coming up in January of just good football players 2.0. Okay. Oh. Debo, do we want to take a break or do we want to keep going? Let's break. All right, take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll hit the uh, updated draft order and focus on what the old New York Jets should do right after this. All right, Rick. Draft order has been updated at the top. Still the uh, Chicago Bears by way of the Carolina Panthers. A little late, Debo, but thank you. <laughs> then you have the New England Patriots. And my goodness, what a sad sack of an organization. It's so crazy to say out loud. The Arizona Cardinals actually hurt themselves by beating the Steelers that are out of the Marvin Harrison race. Uh, maybe there's two teams that traded for quarterbacks, and the Arizona will be fine there. Washington's number four. Chicago, with their uh, current pick, is at number five. And then the Jets at six. Seven are the Giants. Eight, Tennessee. Nine, New Orleans. And ten, Tampa Bay. So this feels like a situation if you're the New York Jets where you are going to be perfectly positioned to get an offensive tackle. And then the question becomes who's going to be there, whether it's Fashionu or whether it's Joe Alt. But I would imagine, even if it's J.C. Latham, who only plays right tackle, any of those names, you have to take it? Or are you wavering if, say, a Drake May slips to number six? And you're the Jets? And you're the Jets, picking number six right now. Yeah, well, Drake May to me would be a no-brainer because you got to have a – succession plan if Aaron Rodgers just comes back for one more year. Let me push back on that because I this is what I've been saying a lot now when we talk about these things. You can have a succession plan, but if you have a, a Carolina Panthers plan, your quarterback's going to get murdered because the offensive line stinks. There are no wide receivers on this Jets team outside of Garrett Wilson. The defense is really good, but 
what what are your plans for those sort of concerns? Well, you're going to try to address all those needs, but you can't pass up a Drake May. I mean, is Aaron Rodgers going to be there in the next 10 years? No. No. So you better have a, a, a plan in place. And if it's great where he can sit and learn, we're seeing the only team that really does this and has done a phenomenal job has been the Green Bay Packers because from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, who sat for three years, and now we're seeing the evolution of Jordan Love, the way he's played the last three weeks. Um, and it's great for those guys to sit. So to get a Drake May and to potentially have him sit, uh, to learn behind Aaron Rodgers for a year. But I think, I mean, you can agree that probably Zach Wilson has seen his last days in, in a New York Jets uniform after this season. Well, there was a report that they may go back to him because they cut Tim Boyle and he may not want to go that go go out back out there. Robert Sala had to come out and say that's not true. Either way, that's not something you want to be floating out there. But yes, to, to answer your question, I think Zach Wilson has probably played his last game for the Jets. Right. And I don't think Fashami will fall down that far to him. And then Alt may not either. Because, hey, Debo, while you're sitting there uh, twiddling your thumbs, can you put that back up? The top 10. In the in the current draft order graphic, yeah, what, yeah, you do have a rundown. Coup <laughs> <laughs> uh, meetings. I don't get anything here. I just try to react. As, that's what I'm spontaneous. Yeah, it all depends what Chicago does with that first pick because let's say they go, we're going to keep Justin Fields and yeah. go with Marvin Harrison Jr. Or they say we're going to take Caleb Williams. Then all of a sudden, the way this board falls, I can't wait to see the hot mess that you're going to present on Thursday. <laughs> uh, let me just say this. Much like you said last year about the Houston Texans, the New England Patriots, if they're number two, cannot under any circumstance come out of this draft without a quarterback. Is that correct? Uh, I would say that's very correct. Okay. But I'm looking at this, okay, this rundown, that the first time I've seen this. Uh-huh. All right, well, let's say, let's take this example, okay? So let's say Chicago goes with the quarterback. New England goes with the quarterback. Arizona goes with Marvin Harrison. Yep. Washington's going to take Fashanu. Yep. And then Chicago, since Marvin Harrison isn't there, is going to take Alt. They may but, take D Dallas Turner could be in play here, too. They I, like I, their offensive tackles. Oh, okay. We'll see how much they like them. Okay. But let's say they went. You, you that's what you do. Okay. I'm just a scout in the corner, but I'm going to put you in that scenario. I love and, that. You tell me how mock drafts work. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes to Chicago. Now, what are you going to do? Uh, so, uh, right. Then, then you, I mean, that's easy. I mean, you're not going to take Roma Dunze here because you need wide receivers. You're taking Drake may or Jaden Daniels. What about Jaden Daniels? If you're the jets boy, did you have him up that high? We you shall don't. see. We shall see. Let's put it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. What if you get um, Greg Roman and Jane Daniels in New York for the Jets? Who? Lamar Jackson's OC, Greg Roman. His first his first five, five years in the league when they uh, had success. Is that too much change? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot to discuss between now and then. I don't want to get into Thursday's podcast on your mock draft but i'm just saying there are different scenarios that you better be playing through your mind that if i'm sitting in the corner next to the owner in the back of the room while you're yeah. up there piddling your thumbs watch what this guy does now. watch this idiot right now <laughs> all right listen let, let me uh add, we'll just tease this you don't have to you can just give a facial expression if you want i'll explain to people who are listening how close is Drake May and Jaden Daniels in your mind? That's a not close face. Okay. Other thing to consider, the Jets have the sixth pick as we sit here. They don't have a second-round pick. I'm guessing that's part of the Aaron Rodgers deal. They don't pick again until 72 in the third round. So you can take this quarterback here, Drake May, if he's there. Who are you getting a 72 to protect Drake May or Aaron Rodgers or whomever? Or draft a wide receiver to fix that? Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just go do something in free agency and sign a tackle. And then, of course, the, the other option is to trade down a few spots and get a couple more picks. And I'm guessing you would consider that, too, depending on how everything stacks up. 
Unless there's a blue chipper. Never pass a blue never pass a blue chipper. All right, Debo, never pass a blue chipper. Oh my god, this this scout in the corner role that I gotta play is very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Your contract's up this year too. We're gonna have a long conversation for the scouts renegotiate or do you just bring them in and they sign a sheet of paper? How does that work? No, we I negotiated with everybody. Oh, okay. Because they typically don't have agents, correct? No. Yeah. Well, the, the only time you don't have to deal with agents in your in your real job. All right, that's a wrap. Unless you have any other nuggets of wisdom you want to share before we get out of here. Oh, no, it's plenty for one day. Yeah, and we're going to see each other in a couple hours in, in, uh, on HQ. So if people uh, like what they see here, <laughs> you can watch us yell at each other uh, on HQ. All right, that's a wrap. Debo will not be here Thursday, but we'll have producer Harry here. So you have that to look forward to. Episode 103 is in the books. Thanks to all you guys who watch and listen and comment. As always, thanks to my guy Rick. Thanks to Debo. See you guys here on Thursday to talk mock draft.